This is Fiberside Chat, a 3GIS podcast, bringing you the latest practices in the world of fiber networks and plus architecture. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fiberside Chat. I'm your host, James Kent. Quick reminder before we get started, you can catch up with all previous episodes of Fiberside Chat at marketscale.com slash industries or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Today on the podcast, we're chatting with Michael Measles. He's the Vice President of Product Management for 3GIS and Patrick Hulls. He's the Senior Solutions Engineer with Esri. We're going to discuss the evolution of GIS in the telecommunications industry from its beginnings to where we are now and where we are headed. Michael and Patrick, welcome to Fiberside Chat. Thanks, James. Hello, James. Thanks Thanks for having us. Nice to speak with both of you. Now, uh, we're going to jump right in. Okay, so GIS in telecommunications, what role did it start out playing? What role has it taken over? Like, where is it now in telecommunications? And what role do you see it playing as 5G networks become more widespread? I'll certainly take a stab at that. Uh, I, I think in terms of the, the history of GIS and telecommunications, it's um, if we were to go uh, maybe back 15 years ago, uh, I think it was somewhat limited. Uh, so our organization has been around uh, f- for quite some time now, f- 14 years. And in, in that, we um, had a vision to initially uh, provision our solution to the telecom community via web-based system. The older systems were desktop-based and and weren't necessarily as uh, pervasive inside of organizations and were somewhat siloed uh, in terms of their use to a GIS technician or a GIS analyst in that organization. Oftentimes, uh, they were required to generate reports or answer uh, questions in terms of connectivity um, and, and where a network ultimately was in the inventory. Uh, now, as, as we moved into more web-based technologies, we're seeing more pervasive use or even ubiquitous access to this data, uh, really taking it out of the hands of the technician and beginning to enable um, you know, other, other uh, people within the organization to include, to include operations, to include fielding, and, and really, and, and maybe I'll let Patrick speak to this, but really provide from a GIS perspective, more of a system of insight unilaterally across organizations uh, to really meet their business goals. No, I mean, I would, I would completely agree with that. I think from the Esri perspective and from somebody who kind of lives and breathes in the GIS world, um, you know, what, what we've seen is exactly that. The GIS has kind of always been used as a support tool, maybe for the design, maybe for the physical network. Where are my assets on paper maps? Maybe some field work. And a lot of that still happens today within the industry. GIS is still very much leveraged as a support tool, almost in the the back closet and the 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 underground cages of the the telecom world, um, and it's kind of behind the scenes. Uh, but I think with that, uh, what we're seeing is almost a, a trend where GIS and location are becoming more and more important in the industry, and part of that is is because of the evolving networks of the communications network, uh, two main proof points that come to, to my mind, I guess the first being 5G 
And all the promises of crazy amounts of bandwidth and lower latency that 5G uh, can deliver. But the lower band frequencies that 5G is using have very specific geographic dependencies. Um, they can't penetrate certain buildings. They don't bend around buildings. They can't go through foliage. Uh, and so one thing that we're seeing is the need to map more 3D features uh, in order to plan those, those 5G networks. So I think GIS and location is becoming more relied upon for planning those, those 5G networks. And then I guess the other main um, kind of proof point that GIS is starting to come to the forefront uh, is maybe a fixed line example where nowadays um, with the evolution of fiber as well as more advanced HFC and things like DOCSIS, um, you're starting to have equivalent broadband services that you can now deliver no matter what the network technology is. Um, so designers and engineers now need tools to be able to design and engineer any type of network, whether it's fiber or fixed wireless or coax and copper, which means you need to have that GIS and multiple GIS is coming together to supply where your current network is, where customer opportunities are, and provide you really those spatial tools to be able to design your networks from, from anywhere. Uh, and I think that's why, you know, Esri as a GIS company is so grateful for partners like 3GIS who have that industry expertise, um, who can really build those design solutions for the next generation networks. So are you saying that with the onset of 5G networks that aren't utilizing GIS, they're going to they're gonna have some issues? They may miss out on some of the capabilities? I think the short answer is yes. Patrick brings up an interesting point in terms of location really being a driver to playing and engineering these networks as more complex technologies come into play. And we're even seeing that with some of our existing customers as, as this convergence of, of wireline and wireless activities uh, and even business units uh, begin to happen. So uh, historically, inside of these organizations, the, the wireless community has been somewhat separate from the wireline community. Uh, and they've operated certainly kind of within their own context and within their own business priorities. But now as this convergence is happening, uh, we're seeing more and more the necessity uh, and the interlock at play between these two organizations at our customers. And, and location is not only important, uh, but as, as Patrick mentioned, specifically to 5G, elevation becomes important too. Those, those companies that have historically used CAD-based technologies to model their network and design their network have not necessarily uh, been able to leverage kind of this 3D perspective that now has to be considered. So Patrick's right in terms of the convergence of the, even the wireline as well, too, from a copper to a fiber perspective. And, and then now folding wireless on top of that, you really have to have an understanding of everything that's happening in order to provide quality service to your customers. Uh, and that's not only within this 2D frame uh, or, or plane, but it's also you know, this 3D perspective, not only are, are, are organizations beginning to understand that their networks are becoming more complex and they need a, a method uh, to model that data really as a single source. They're also beginning to understand that the, the interplay between that 2D and 3D plane is becoming important as well. Uh, and, and having to not only kind of transcend from maybe what 
may have been more of a CAD-like uh, or CAD perspective in terms of their workflows into a GIS perspective now, which historically has been to a certain extent one-to-one, right? If I convert uh, from, from CAD to GIS, I still see a 2D map. Now, uh, as I used to explain it in, in, before I got into telecom, it's, it's now a 2D map with all this data behind it that you can query up. Now you have to kind of extrude that information and begin to lay it on its side and see the 3D perspective as you're doing that planning. The, the short answer is yes, it's becoming more complex. And, and the reality is, is our customers are seeing a need to drive even faster towards this more complex solution uh, so they can answer their, really the business needs that they have and, and serve their customers. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think we'll, we'll start to see over the next five, 10 years is, is GIS starting to take a, a larger role in the, the network management side as well. So along with some of the geographic requirements of some of these newer networks, um, and that single source of truth through all the design stages um, and being able to see all that on a map. As soon as that as-built happens and getting that GIS as-built into a network management solution to start to support network management functions um, and thinking of things like software-defined networks and virtualizing the network and even on the wireless side with kind of the wireless slicing that's going to be going on. Uh, there's a lot of geographic questions that start to get asked in order to answer serviceability questions, do automated provisioning. Where is the customer in relation to the network? What's the latency going to be to provide some of these new services, whether they be VR, autonomous vehicles that are very latency dependent, where that person is, where edge networks are, those are, those are all geographic questions. So I think we'll, we'll start to see the GIS now moving into more of a role in the actual network management, where I think traditionally it's, it's been the logical side of what services are available, how things are connected. But now you're going to have to have a tighter integration of the logical and the physical with that network analytics, that system of insight that you were mentioning, Michael, on top of it to do very fast on-the-fly network checks and balances that leverage the physical and the logical network all in, in one system. And again, one system that includes your fiber assets and your coax assets, no matter what the network technology delivering the end product or service, um, but one system to be able to make those, those answer those questions very quickly and on the fly. So a couple of things that you touched upon are we hitting like a convergence point where people that may be on CAD-based networks are going to find themselves running into trouble if they don't make the move to GIS because the technology is just so much further advanced now and they're going to need a more uh, complex technology? And what, what are they going to do there if they keep resisting any kind of uh, move towards a different system? Again, yes, the answer is that obviously. And, and there's probably there are multiple reasons for that, and and I'll maybe just touch on a few of them. As companies don't move uh, in, into into these technologies, and I even hate to use the word complex technologies because that sounds scary. Uh, <laughs> but as as we move towards, and as companies uh, begin to move towards a GIS based ecosystem to deliver their their telecommunication services they're ultimately seeing the benefit by virtue of kind of meeting meeting 
these build-outs, uh, which were a part of several of them, these build-outs at scale. And what I mean by that is uh, building out at scale is kind of this 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 idea of being able to provide service uh, to customers as quickly as possible uh, that either haven't had it, are dissatisfied with their existing service provider, or aren't getting the necessary speeds uh, that are really required in, in today's digital economy. Uh, so we're seeing some of that with with fun, funding coming from the federal government here in the United States uh, to deliver uh, to deliver more speed uh, in the rural areas, for instance. As we look at kind of that context or that problem, and we're seeing that globally as well in terms of providing service in these rural areas, is you know, qualifying those areas for service or that they need service is, is one thing. But then understanding the spatial distribution of, of those potential customers uh, through, throughout these areas that are historically underserved is really a GIS problem at heart. It, it's understanding where those customers are. Uh, how spread out they might be, uh, how you might serve them with these differing technologies. Answering that question is a GIS problem. And, and really, it's not really answering the question, it's how we're going to serve them, but, but more, than, more often than not, it's how much is it going to cost and what kind of bandwidth can we deliver to them. That's the problem they're trying to solve with some of this, these funding activities that are, that are currently happening, at least here in the United States and obviously some in Europe as well. By not using GIS technology to answer those questions, they're really putting themselves behind the eight ball, uh, both in terms of being able to uh, validate and or justify their applications for those funds. But they're also maybe not necessarily seeing you know, a larger picture in terms of what they could deliver at a more economical scale. Uh, so by not using GIS technology to satisfy that one, one problem, those service providers are really putting themselves behind. On the larger scale opportunities or projects that we're working with, the goal is to serve customers as quickly as possible and as many as possible. Uh, so if you're not leveraging technology like GIS-based technology and, and telecommunications, then then you're probably also putting yourself behind the eight ball uh, because because more than likely your competitors they are doing that. Again, the answer is yes uh, to kind of bring it back, James. But um, by not leveraging GIS-based technologies to to start satisfying and answering these business problems, those those companies will inevitably inevitably be left behind. I believe. Patrick, what do you think? Well said. I couldn't agree more. I guess the only comment that I would make is, you know, I don't think we're going to see CAD go away. The value for the GIS is there. Uh, and for maybe some of the traditional CAD-based work, uh, the GIS brings additional capabilities to the table. Um, but we're still going to see kind of a tighter ecosystem between CAD and GIS which I think will bring immense value. One point that comes to mind is uh, in terms of like building information models or BIM and being able to take those information models from the CAD system, bring them into the GIS and start doing your network design and planning around those information models. So instead of replicating all that work in the GIS or taking the GIS and in the CAD, having that cohesive ecosystem where now I can do very specific uh, detailed design for multi-dwelling units um, or even inside plant design and wireless planning for in-building, uh, integrating the GIS and CAD. So I would agree you know, with Michael that uh, the GIS has certain capabilities 
that to answer some of these questions in the industry right now, only a GIS can do that. But that doesn't mean there isn't a place for for CAD in uh, the whole GIS CAD world out there. Michael, as a quick little follow-up, you mentioned rural communities and the need there. Do you think the pandemic has put a spotlight on that very issue and the need uh, for better telecommunications in rural areas, especially when you suddenly saw a flood of people heading out of their normal place of work and having to work from their homes. And they may be in rural communities, and that's fine when they're going to work, but then suddenly there's a need for businesses to reach out beyond. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been hearing a lot of that gap becoming very, very apparent, especially in the rural areas and underserved communities, that there's a desperate need to get better uh, infrastructure in place. Uh, it certainly highlighted it. There's messaging in, in the market today, specifically even as it relates to the rural development funding opportunities that the FCC is considering here in the United States, which has gained even further support uh, since since the pandemic started. So there's no doubt that uh, it's it's just highlighted it yet again and that, that there is a need uh, to provide service in those rural communities. Um, yeah, at the same time, it should be noted that you know the financial considerations around that are are high, and I think the federal government uh, through through what the FCC is doing here, uh, and, and even some of what we've seen from a funding overseas, you know what what the UK is doing to fund rural broadband uh, is is pretty interesting. Uh, so the government certainly sees. Uh, that there's value in it. And, and maybe maybe the people didn't see it before the pandemic, but uh, now those that have been impacted have had to stay at home, work from home, uh, that have had the opportunity anyway to do so uh, by virtue of, of working in a career that requires connectivity. Uh, it certainly has been, uh, has been highlighted and I think further justifies the investment that we're seeing governments across the world currently making. And talking to some of our users of late, you know, they, a few of them have said like almost their their websites have almost crashed with a demand for for service qualification and new customers asking if if they can get broadband service or upgrades. Um, and a lot of them they didn't even have in their database because it was those those rural residential homes out there that just weren't uh, previously served, so they weren't in the database. They didn't know where they were. So again, I think that that also reinforces the need for more of a spatial service qualification tool, as well as uh, service providers starting to look at other network technologies to deliver that last mile. Uh, as you said, Michael, I mean, it's there's there's reasons why we have underserved uh, communities in the U.S. It, to be frank, it's just not very cost effective for um, the service provider. But I think with newer technologies like fixed wireless, where that last mile instead of fiber cable, it's now a, a, a small cell with a wireless site that uh, you beam at somebody's home and you've got a receiver that can provide you know, close to, if not the same as a fiber to the home broadband service, uh, I think you'll start to see a lot more fixed wireless deployments out there. Um, which will help with the the rural broadband um, issues. And I think the the last point that I'll make on the the whole COVID epidemic and uh, what we've seen, how it's sort of to change the service provider world, is more from how the service provider runs their their operations. You know, I think it's it's really highlighted 
the the need for a service provider to relook at their architecture stack and the way that they deliver business systems to their internal staff. Um, so along with everybody working from home, the service providers themselves, their employees have started to work from home. And a lot of the different tools that they use on a day-to-day basis would require VPN if they were offsite um, and require them to be on the internal broadband network. And so now with everybody working at home, the telecom industry, which has always been kind of adverse to cloud computing and cloud networks, I think we're starting to see a shift where the service providers themselves are being more open to leveraging more cloud one, for supporting their own network virtualization, but two, for their own business tools and systems uh, to be able to allow their employees to work anywhere. And I think that's one of the great value points of 3GIS is their services-based architecture on top of Esri that can start to allow for more of that cloud deployment of some of these crucial tools for planning, designing, and managing networks. You just mentioned how the telecommunications industry sometimes, you know, might be a little hesitant in making a shift to a new technology, moving to the cloud. Do you feel in terms of their own education and adoption, is GIS still foreign to them? Do they understand the technology and know the capabilities? Or do you find that there's still a lot of education process that goes in there to make them understand, you know, what a value that GIS can bring to them? Yeah, there's still a lot of, of, of education. Um, you know, I mentioned before, it's, it's starting to get better where you don't have to define GIS. Um, before you actually had to spell GIS to someone for, for them to understand what it was. Nowadays, someone hears GIS and they, they start to associate it with mapping. Uh, I think consumer grade mapping has really allowed kind of everyone globally to start thinking more spatially. Um, your cars have maps. Delivery services for food have maps in their apps. Uh, to get from point A to point B, every time I get in my car, I pull up a map. Consumer-grade mapping has now created this, this notion that why can't I see my own assets on a map? I should be able to see all of my business data on a map. And so people are starting to ask that of their current systems. Where's the map? Why can't I see this on a map? Um, and they're starting to connect the dots that a GIS is not just the map, but it's also the robust data management. It's the analytics and it's the map. Um, and so you are starting to see a little bit of a shift. Uh, but I was just in a conversation the other day where we were talking GIS and it was solely focused on uh, imagery. And yeah, we've got a GIS, there's a database of our imagery. And that was the correlation there. So there's still some education to be done in terms of letting people know that, you know, GIS is not just the points on the map, um, but it's the, again, robust data management, it's the analytics, and it's the engagement through maps and apps. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Patrick. And uh, first thing that came to mind when, when James asked that question was it's the map. Everybody understands the map. And I think and maybe to, to tag in a little bit in terms of value, what we have found is uh, oftentimes it's it's difficult uh, to be able to sell sell the value of the GIS to an organization uh, if the if the organization uh, isn't willing to understand uh, how to integrate what we'll call the map and, and the data behind it uh, across the organization 
and the intrinsic value is is again not not to let it sit in in a single department with you know maybe that maybe planning is leveraging it significantly to to deliver to deliver these maps and business solutions uh, but if we don't broadcast uh, the use of this technology across all of the departments in an organization th- that's really how we are able to sell the value uh, so when we when we talk value to and return on investment to to our customers anyway uh, it's within the context of of deploying uh, gis based technology uh, a- across the organization as a whole that's been our biggest challenge but it's also provided it's provided the most opportunity for us as well not maybe a, a little bit more context now as we wrap up this episode of Fiberside Chat, is there anything else about GIS or the evolution of GIS that you feel listeners should know? Well, I can I can give kind of the the take from Esri and, and kind of where we're we're going with with GIS. You know, we've we've heard the demand from from our users and the telecom industry of this need for more location intelligence, location analytics are kind of the GIS buzzwords right now. Um, but bringing that into the network management side, um, and really in order to do that, you have to start leveraging more of that cloud native type of technology, um, containerized microservices that allow for scalable deployments and, and um, kind of agile development of new services and, and tools. And so we, we've been re-architecting ArcGIS from a services-based architecture that was, you know, more quote unquote monolithic to being that, that kind of cloud native technology so that the GIS can start to be deployed right in those edge networks um, and start supporting those different network management use cases. Uh, so I think from, from our perspective where the GIS is going is, is really to start automating GIS functions um, and not necessarily having someone in front of the map, the GIS is still behind the scenes running the analytics, running the spatial analysis, but it's network analytics embedded in the network doing those spatial analytics versus somebody behind desktop computer in front of a map, clicking go, making clicks on the map. Now, there'll always be a place for that. You always got to have a designer. You always have to have an engineer. They know the networks. But in terms of those network management functions to qualify customers, that's really where the, the GIS is going to advance uh, architecturally to start to support those those next-gen network management functions. And from a 3GIS perspective, we certainly align to where it where Esri is headed and, and appreciate the vision that they're providing in terms of uh, moving from kind of that monolithic space that they've been in the past to a more cloud native uh, implementation. And, you know, as, as a, as a cloud-based company uh, really since our inception, it's, it's, um, it's exciting to, to see that forward progression and, and we're excited to take advantage of the, of, of the new offerings that are going to come through that technology. And just generally speaking from a 3GIS perspective, I, I think, we we have a theme internally that that we're working towards. This is really trying to uh, understand how we how we help our t- customers and this, this idea of democratizing telecommunications delivery. We've seen Amazon do that with retail, for for instance, which essentially makes it accessible, uh, makes these things accessible to everyone. And, and and from our perspective, as we can 
broadcast value across uh, the different parts of an organization uh, through through our solution and leveraging the Esri technology, we really believe that that we can kind of facilitate that that core meaning, which is to democratize a delivery of telecommunication services, uh, and and that's really our focus uh, today and, and into the future. And, you know, as long as, as long as we all work together as partners, we can certainly get there. Patrick, if someone wants to get in touch with Esri, where should they go? Best place would be going to our website, esri.com forward slash telecom. Uh, that uh, will bring you to all of our offerings for telecommunications. Um, and if you want to email the team, telecom info at uh, esri.com. Michael, same question. How should folks get in touch with 3GIS? Yeah, best, best way is a uh, website uh, is 3-GIS.com. Uh, we have a contact us page uh, out there. And if, if you're interested in talking to the sales organization, it's sales at 3GIS.com. Uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Excellent. Once again, I want to thank my guests today, Michael Measles, Vice President of Product Management for 3GIS, and Patrick Halls, Senior Solutions Engineer at Esri. Yeah, perfect. Thanks. Thanks, James. And thank you for listening to this episode of Fiberside Chat, brought to you by 3GIS. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast content. Don't forget to leave a comment and a rating. I'm your host, James Kent. Let's have another chat soon.